Hello and welcome to the Hormones in Harmony podcast. I'm your host, Vivian Allred, naturopathic nutritional therapist and hormone enthusiast. If you want to learn how to rebalance your female hormones, regulate your menstrual cycle and reclaim your vitality, then you are in the right place. Each week, I will be delving into different conditions such as PCOS, endometriosis, infertility, hypothyroidism, acne and hair loss. Stay tuned for interviews with expert guests, Q&As and solo episodes that are all intended to help you move from hormonal chaos to hormonal harmony. If you'd like to submit a question for me to answer on the podcast, then you can email them to hormonesinharmony at gmail.com. The information shared on this podcast is intended for educational purposes only and is not designed to replace the advice of your health practitioner. That said, let's get into today's episode. Hi, welcome back to episode number 23, and today I'm joined by Holly Griggs-Ball, and we're talking all about hormonal birth control. Holly is the author of the cult book, Sweetening the Pill, on how we got hooked on hormonal birth control. She's the consulting producer on a documentary inspired by her book, directed by Abby Epstein and executive produced by Ricky Lake, which is currently in production and due for release in 2019. She also leads online workshops titled A Feminist Guide to Going Off the Pill. In this episode, we discuss Holly's personal experience with hormonal birth control, how birth control pills can negatively impact your overall health, but particularly your mental health the mechanisms behind the pill, how they work and how they were developed, how they can actually change your attraction to a mate and your partner selection, which is really interesting, some potential long-term risks, safer alternatives and much more. So hi Holly, welcome to the podcast. Thank you so much for joining me today. I'm really excited to talk all about hormonal birth control, some of the potential dangers and maybe some natural alternatives for those women who maybe can't tolerate the birth control, react badly, or just want to find something natural that won't mess with their hormones or their health. So why don't you start off by telling us a bit about yourself and how you got into the world of birth control education, research, and also also the book that you wrote as well. Yeah, so really for me, it all started with my personal experience. Um, I took the birth control pill for 10 years and um, I had, was taking about four or five different kinds over that period from when I was 17 to 26, 27. Um, and I had some severe side effects with one particular kind of pill that led me to do my own research. Um, and that research led me to find other women who'd had similar experiences and from there um, as a journalist at the time although an arts and culture journalist I pitched an article to a magazine called Easy Living um, about the side effects of the pill that women may not have heard of and that research spurred me to begin a blog which was where well this was 10 years ago so that was the done thing 10 years ago now it would probably be that you would start a podcast mm-hmm. <laughs> um and from there that blog attra- attracted um, enough attention in terms of um both media and from the women themselves who came to me to share their stories that I was um able to consider that there would be scope for it to become a book Um, and so I put together a book proposal and pitched that Um, and it became a book that was published in 2013 
Um, and in early 2014, I was um, invited to pitch my book to a documentary team, um, Ricky Lake and Abby Epstein, who'd made a great documentary called The Business of Being Born. And I pitched them the idea of using my book as a jumping off point to do a new documentary about um, preventing pregnancy, how women do that, what effects it has on their health, um, stories around that element and that stage of women's lives. And so that has been in the making now for a few years. It's due to come out quite soon. And that brings us up to date. So the only additional point to that is that I also do um, quite a lot of workshops now in person and I'm developing a workshop for, for online as well. Um, so I've added a little bit to kind of my uh, otherwise, you know, uh, my general um, enthusiasm for all things related to mm -hmm. you know, informed education and body yeah. literacy around birth control, really. Yeah, that's so exciting about the documentary. It's such a great opportunity. But you're mm -hmm. so thrilled with that. I am. I'm really pleased because I think that with a book, you know, it's it, in these days I think like a book can do so much and reach so many people but documentaries are really um life-changing to people and exactly. you know um I, how many documentaries you know how many times do you speak to someone now and they go oh, I watched this great documentary and now I don't do this or yeah. I watched this great documentary and now I do this mm -hmm. um and it's really like become almost like religion mm -hmm. I feel like yeah um, people can be so amazingly converted and educated by um, a documentary in a way that, you know, and, and with Abby and Ricky, the <clears throat> documentaries are really great at finding those human stories and that mm. emotional core and um, really bringing out what the themes are. And, and I think, yeah, I'm really looking forward to seeing it. Absolutely. You just get enthralled, don't you? You really connect mm -hmm. with the people and it's different. Although books are powerful, um, mm -hmm. blogs and people's experience in that fashion uh, i mm -hmm. definitely agree video and documentary and movies are just give you that extra boost and are even more effective so i'm so excited about that to come out yeah. and definitely be promoting that i'm sure you will you'll be yeah. shouting it from the rooftops when that's out i will there's so little still so little media content around this topic too that i'm i think you know that it, the what it can bring on in its aftermath is going to be really great as well mm-hmm and for those listening, um, Holly's book is Sweetening the Pill. Um, so that's what we're talking about. And that's being converted into the documentary. Um, going back to your experience with birth control, what mm. pill was it that you were on that you reacted badly to? And what were some of the symptoms and things that you dealt with? So I was taking Yasmin, which was also known as Yaz, mm. really, yeah. really similar. Um, <laughs> And it was taken at the time by pretty much everybody and their sister. Like mm -hmm. it was everybody's, you know, it was pushed really hard because I believe it was sold to doctors as like the pill that was going to have none of the side effects that the rest of the pills had. Um, and so that also, and I just was discussing this with someone earlier today, it was very tricky because the messaging that was put out in a lot of um illegal as well as, as well as legal ways by the pharmaceutical company was that it was going to be almost like a diet drug um, and that you would lose weight instead of gain weight um, because obviously they knew a lot of women fear gaining weight on the pill so they thought well this is a great marketing message mm -hmm. we'll tell women that they'll lose weight on this pill 
um, and that your skin would be, you know, the clearest it's ever been. A lot of it was based around, you know, some very big claims, including things like wiping out PMS, improving mood. Um, and so when the side effects started hitting, I think it became big discussion online and what's in terms of what there was online at the time, which was really just online forums um, because Facebook groups didn't exist. Um, and so the pushback then was very big. Um, and for me, from the point of view of researching as a, with a journalist background, I was really interested in um, how, you know, something that had been marketed so aggressively, um, you know, to the point that they had had to put out retraction advertising campaigns in the US because they'd gone too far, um, was then having this huge downfall in terms of like civil lawsuits around the serious physical side effects, even deaths. Um, and none of that kind of downfall was, was really being covered. Um, it was being covered very minimally in, in media. Um, and that really interested me because obviously I had a personal experience with it, um, but also it was kind of a fascinating story, really. Mm -hmm. And I was personally on that pill too. <clears throat> Really? Uh, yeah, it doesn't really, surprise me. I've really messed, up, messed up my body, but yeah, initially I was put on um, Dianet, so mm -hmm. I I was diagnosed with PCOS and then put on Dianet, and that was just so like too much estrogen. It was so strong for my system, and it mm. pretty much gave me depression within like a day. <laughs> um, so I stayed on that for like a couple of weeks and then it was my mum actually who forced me to go back to the doctor and come off I was like no no it'll be fine it'll pass hmm. but I was kind of in that mental health um spiral and I was thinking that it's going to help me it's just kind of my body getting used to it but then I did eventually go back because it was getting too severe and mm -hmm. he was the doctor was explaining that yeah it might be just too much for my system um just the amount of estrogen that's in that one so mm. I'd actually researched pills that are best for PCOS. I think I typed that into Google and the Yasmin pill was the number one thing that with all the claims, I'm sure all the drug websites were the first um, search terms on Google, um, how it was anti-androgenic, how, how it helped clear skin. It didn't cause the weight gain, like you mentioned. So mm -hmm. my doctor was pretty reluctant to put me on that one, if I'm honest. And I think it was maybe more expensive for them at the time but mm -hmm. I was the one who actually pushed for the Yasmin <laughs> which I really yeah. regret because yeah I did experience symptoms within a couple of years at first I did experience my symptoms improving and my skin did get clear I didn't gain weight and yeah everything was pretty good for about a year and then that's when things started to go downhill in terms of anxiety in terms of food sensitivities starting to occur mm -hmm. and also really severe leg cramps which looking back I'm pretty sure it was a blood clot but yeah, yeah at the time I just thought oh it may be because of exercise or electrolyte problems I just had right. no connection between the, the pill particularly that one I know there's a massive lawsuits and connection between blood clots and Yasmin but yeah, in the middle of the night, I'd just wake up crying in tears with severe pains in my legs for about six months. And yeah, I'm looking back, I'm so grateful that nothing actually happened, but it's just so scary to think that something cut off. So 
that's kind of my experience with Yasmin. Um, wow. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> you know, and, and I'm, I'm obviously very glad that nothing became more serious for you. But yeah, I've heard so many stories of women going, I don't know if you did this, but went going, even going to the doctor with cramps like that with Yasmin and being told, oh, you know, it's probably you just pulled a muscle. Um, mm. So, yeah, I mean, I think it's, you know, we think how oftentimes developing a blood clot can resolve itself. And you just think, you know, that, that for a certain number of women they do develop to become something more serious yeah um yeah and also you know like for me like you said like it was very insidious the onset of the side effects it certainly wasn't quick I didn't make the connection very quickly exactly um, that's, yeah that's the problem you don't it's been so no. long you don't even think it could be the pill you start investigating no. other things yeah and mine really started with the week when I wasn't on it I would have really bad like almost like fluey feeling and PMS and so that made me think oh well it's just because I the week I'm off it so you know that it started there mm. and then I um then that would become that I felt like I can even remember realizing oh okay so it was like a, a week a month and now it's two weeks a month and now it's three weeks a month and now it's yeah. all the time yeah um and you know at the same time I was having all the things it was telling me that I should be grateful for, which was I lost a ton of weight. I was the smallest I've ever been in my life, um, to the point that my friends were worried about me. Um, and I had the clearest skin. My friends said it was like a doll. Yeah, like it so. was so clear. <laughs> um, it was ridiculous. It had no pores or anything. It was, you know. And so I had that. And so, to all intents and purposes, I looked the what we consider to be healthy right you know mm -hmm. in, in terms of how we see ourselves as women yeah. that physically you, you know if you look a certain way then you must be healthy um <clears throat> but internally i was not so yeah it was very powerful stuff it's very difficult to to get out to re make the connections you need to make isn't it yeah definitely and i don't even think i went to the doctors because i just did not make that connection at all i thought because my first reaction to the the Dianet pill was so immediate and so obvious that mm -hmm. it couldn't possibly be the pill this time round because my symptoms were better and it only started to occur a year into it as well. Mm -hmm. And would you say that there are any pills in particular that are worse? So is Yasmin one of the worst ones? And are there any good pills? Does that exist? Well, I think that when I meet someone now and if they say that they're on a third, what's called a third generation oral contraceptive, which is these drospirinone containing oral contraceptives, or if they're using the Nuva ring, um, I, which is like the vaginal ring, I think there's only one on the market still, um, that I always do say, hey, like, even if you want to stay on hormonal birth control, don't keep using those. Yeah because they have an unnecessary elevated risk because of the progestins or the delivery method that you don't need to, you don't need to be putting yourself um, in the way of that you could just go on an older generation kind. Um, and I kind of just, for me more is a mor moral question because I've just met so many of the families of women who died from these now that it's very tricky for me to walk away. Um, especially when I, don't always think that they're benefiting particularly over any other brand you know it's it's mainly just the marketing that's got them on that to that mm -hmm. point so those are the ones i tend to actually actively ask people to avoid <laughs> so what other ones would that include so yasmin 
the Nuvarine. Well, it's all Drospirinone containing, yeah. so they're not all called, you know, Yasmin was okay. the original name, but now everything, you know, the patent is gone. So right. you've got anything that's got the progestin Drospirinone okay. in it is third generation, and then the Nuvarine, but also the patch, but the patch used very, I very rarely meet somebody mm. who's using the patch at this point. Yeah. The other one is Depo-Provera is particularly terrible um, overall, especially in terms of coming off it. So, you know, I do think that there's it's really inadvisable for any woman to be on the shot. And usually women aren't given, those women who are on it are not given a lot of choice to have the, the birth control injection. It's usually just something that people... Uh, uh, persuaded to take for whatever reason the doctor has and then you know with the implant it's always really important to be aware that um, implant and the hormonal IUD although you know you're avoiding some side effects it doesn't mean that you're avoiding all of the synthetic hormone side um, related side effects um, so you know if you're using something like that you need to be aware that it isn't sort of the answer because it doesn't mean that you won't have any side effects that you may have had on other hormonal birth control methods mm-hmm. um, <clears throat> so they all come with their own problems yeah <laughs> there's none that I would highly recommend although I would say like personally my sister has endometriosis um, and has had endometriosis for some time and it has got to a point of being on being on a lot of painkillers um which is obviously not very good for you um and she decided to try the hormonal iud um and so far that's worked for her and i would you know supported her making that decision and even was part of her decision making process in that and i still you know we still talk about other options and issues that she might want to look at with the marina and i well it's called the marina i don't know what they call it in the uk Mm. um and but she doesn't. Um, she doesn't feel that it's without side effects, but it's just a cost-benefit analysis, isn't it, for every woman? Yeah. So you know, I would never say that no woman would want to take hormonal birth control. In some circumstances, obviously, it's going to be the right choice for you. So mm-hmm. yeah, yeah, exactly. And I was wondering that: are you completely anti-birth control, or yeah, mm-hmm. like you said, there's some no. situations. Okay. No. Not at all. And I and I also think that, you know, we need as many options as we can available. And I also think, you know, that we still live in a world where a lot of women are suffering from being in relationships with reproductive coercion and abuse. And, mm. you know, there's a lot of things going on that mean that it's not possible always to have a method that someone knows about or have a method that um, doesn't stop your periods or whatever it is that's going on so I think it's always important it doesn't mean that we shouldn't be working towards making sure that less women are in that situation where they don't feel they could have a cho- choice obviously I think all women should we should be working towards a world in which all women feel they can make a choice for themselves in an informed way um, but it's not always the reality so yeah, um, I would never just... advocate. I would never advocate as being anti-birth control, like yeah. in any as any kind of position at yeah. all. No. Mm-hmm. And you just pro consent, so making yes. sure that everyone knows exactly the risks that may happen temporarily or long term. Because for me personally, I wasn't told anything like that would happen. I was probably just told the benefits in my situation, and if they did mention something, it would be just a slight increased risk of blood clots, um, a slight increased risk of breast cancer. Uh, you don't really hear anything else. You don't hear about the 
the mental health aspects or the the detriment to gut health or nutrient deficiencies you're not told about any of that so i agree if someone knows all of those things and they're still willing to go ahead then that's perfectly fine yes and i think you know we've come from a place of thinking that you're not with doctors thinking that they shouldn't tell women about these things because you're putting ideas into people's heads and the placebo oh, effect right. and all this stuff and i've yeah. definitely heard that as a kind of not just an individual opinion but as like an industry opinion you know that yeah. that, that was being carried over makes sense um, and i think now that um, we're sort of getting to a point where you know we're thinking well we need to listen to women's experiences we're getting more research done into these things and yeah for me it's just about you know if we could start with (coughs) education and information and being able to make a choice from that position um then you know you're able to have more autonomy and also more um control and if you choose to use something for a short period of time or however long then you know if there's side effects, you know how it will affect you and you know what to look out for and what to be worried about. Um, and, you know, for example, with your leg cramps, you know how many women know that there's a connection to blood clots and what side of, what signs are of a blood clot yeah. and when you should visit your doctor, yeah. you know, th- things like that. So, yeah, all about kind of informed consent, which I don't think a lot of women have. And I think even if you are in a position where you don't have a lot of choices i still think that you should be made aware of all the side effects and potential problems so that you can make a decision for yourself like is this the right choice for me or is it better for me not to be using it you know Mm -hmm, definitely and before we get on to more of the potential side effects or things to look out for to to know if it's working for you or not um could you just go over how the birth control pill actually works so i don't think a lot of people actually know like the mechanisms behind what it's doing in the body you're kind of just told that it balances your hormones or regulates your period but what's actually going on when we're taking these pills yeah so um i think there's a lot of common myths around it so um i usually start with the fact that the pill isn't regulating your menstrual cycle um it's not um actually doing anything except for suppressing the hormones that your body creates so it actually replaces your cycle um so you don't have a period or menstruation on the pill you have a withdrawal bleed um and so you go from having a quite fluctuating hormone levels of different progestin estrogen different hormones throughout your cycle to having a a flatter experience of synthetic hormones that are there to stop you ovulating essentially which is the contraceptive um, method of it and that means the bleed that you have on the break or um, even the breakthrough bleed is not menstruation it's just withdrawal from the synthetic hormones um and so i think you know a lot of women i know in in the uk recently there was news that came through that the nhs was going to well it wasn't the nhs it was a different healthcare advisory organization that was going to advise to doctors to not um say that you needed to have a break to the pill and i think that started a really interesting conversation because a lot of women had been told by their doctors that it was necessary to have the break but that was all wrapped up in the idea that they thought they were still having periods on the pill and they weren't. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and 
if we don't need to have a break, then we can come to the understanding that it's, it's not regulating your cycle, it's replacing your cycle, you're not having a cycle. Um, and so that was a really interesting conversation starter, I think. Mm, yeah, definitely. So mm-hmm. it's not actually necessary to have the bleed. Does the endometrial lining kind of just stay plump and full for the entire time safely? No, so it doesn't build up um, because the hormones aren't there to propel it to build up, but it, you know, it does to an extent. So the withdrawal bleed is the lining coming away. It's not blood from anywhere else, but it is it is that lining, but it only has built up a small amount. So mm-hmm. like, for example, so when you come off, one of the issues that's being highlighted at the moment by other experts in this area is like having fertility issues due to a uterine lining not building up and having thin uterine lining because during the course of your time on the pill your uterine lining doesn't and it isn't prompted by that hormonal shift (coughs) so yes that's that it is coming from that but it's not physiologically menstruation because you can't physiologically have menstruation without ovulation Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. and the pill it was in part developed with that pattern to make women feel safe and like it was regulating the hormones, like you said. Um, We talk a bit about how the pill was developed. So um, I believe that contraception was illegal in, was it like the 60s? And instead the pill was formulated as this women's cure, um, cure all to balance the hormones and eliminate PMS. Um, So can you talk a bit bit about how it was developed and kind of the, the myths that were shared about the pill? Yeah, so you're right. It was originally um, for uh, menstrual irregularities is how it was presented. Um, But yeah, the pill was developed. um, Originally was tested on both men and women. Um, And it wasn't until later on in the testing that they decided to just concentrate on women. Um, And that was not because it was impossible, as people often told, to um, stop sperm with hormonal birth control for men um it's actually you can do that except it has a lot of side effects and so they saw um that men's testicles shrunk because of the stopping of the testosterone production um and they didn't like that (laughs) and they said well men aren't going to take something that has this effect um And so they just decided to move forward with women subjects and women obviously also had side effects. And often the women that were tested on were not informed because there was really no concept of informed consent for science subjects at the time. Um, And so um, when it has a very kind of dark and checkered history of uh, utilising, you know, available groups like women in Puerto Rico, um, and a lot of women being seriously injured and having these side effects because of you know the early pill especially was very high in synthetic estrogen and has some very dramatic effects very quickly. Um, and then when it came out, um, it was taken up pretty quickly, but the side effects were really obvious. So the first pill, Enervid, um, one part of the history that many women don't know about is that the women's health movement in the US at least as we know it was started by um, a group of women who were protesting um, senate hearings about the side effects of the pill 
where doctors were being interviewed but not the women themselves so it was all male doctors not the women who'd experienced the side effects who were interviewed about the pill after 10 years and what was happening with women and what they'd seen happening with women um and the nelson pill hearings were why we ended up having those information packets in the pill packet so the list of side effects that no one um, reads. <laughs> no one reads. Yeah, because it's so long. Yeah. Like, basically, think well, anything could be, but that's because unfortunately, anything could. Yeah. Um, yeah. So that's a little bit of interesting history um, that most women aren't aware of. Is that you know that there was actually early concern. There was a book called The Doctor's Case Against the Pill that came out up from Barbara Seaman in the early seventies. Um, that talked about the side effects and for the most part the side effects are pretty much the same um, we've really changed the formulations uh, different progestins lower synthetic estrogen levels but um, a lot of what was investigated during that time of the Nelson pill hearings is still relevant today and what are some of the common side effects that people experience and then maybe cover some of the less common but um things that can actually happen and you should be paying attention to could be linked to the pill. Yeah. So I think, well, I think common, we always think of things like breakthrough bleeding. Um, and that's what the pharmaceutical companies tend to focus on is things that are most likely to prevent women from continuing to use the pill. Um, and I think, you know, overall, there are a lot of things that pop up for a lot of women that they don't realize are connected um, that are things like having frequent UTIs or you mentioned food intolerance issues, IBS, gut issues, um, low mood. Um, it doesn't have to be extreme depression or anxiety. It can just be a general feeling of not being yourself or lack of confidence or uh, low self-esteem. Um all of these things are also mental health side effects that we sometimes think, well, that's, you know, that's just a how I am. Sometimes we put it under that umbrella rather than realising it's actually been caused by the synthetic hormones in our birth control. Um, and then I think, you know, you're also looking at the effect that the um, vitamin and mineral deficiencies can have overall so a lot of people talking these days more about thyroid problems and inflammatory issues from the pill um you know there's some great people doing more research into the, what's currently being written on now um and i have a great resource list on my um website sweeteningthepill.com that you can really dig into i've concentrated in Recently, it's mostly on the mental health side effects, and there's been some big research studies in terms of diagnosis with clinical depression, which seems to be significantly higher in women on hormonal birth control, including and higher on women with progestin-only methods. Um, also, there was a big study about suicide risk, <clears throat> which seems to be um, more seems to be connected back to hormonal birth control with women as well especially teenagers um and so there's been a bit more research into the effect on brain development uh perception things like that so that behavioral changes um those things have always been really interesting to me 
Mm, definitely. And the it's not just the pill, is it? Imagine all of the other impacts that can kind of interfere with our mental health or social media, add on top of that a bad diet and environmental mm-hmm. toxicity. And there's no wonder why depression, anxiety, um, suicide rates are on the increase. So sometimes it's not just the pill. Um, it's kind mm-hmm. of a combination of everything and everything happening at once and just overwhelming our body. And in terms of the nutrient deficiencies, the the nutrient deficiencies alone can affect every single system in the body because from our brain to our hormones to our immune system, it all requires nutrients. And if we're depleted from the pill, then it can therefore affect hundreds of different functions within the body. So I think that's why it has such a systemic effect and can have a knock-on effect on every single thing in the body. Yeah, exactly. So this is really fundamental stuff. You know, with mental health side effects, you're looking at low hormone levels, suppressing testosterone, suppressing uh, ovulation and progestin production, B vitamin deficiency, um, you know, gut changes. There's so many more connections being made between gut health and mental health. Um, So, yeah, I mean, obviously there are a lot of other reasons people are depressed Mm. um, or or anxious, um, but I also would say it's kind of amazing how many times I've met a woman who's been on the pill and anxiety medication and then gone off the pill and gone off her anxiety medication. Mm -hmm. So sometimes you find it is just that. Yeah, and it's actually believed that the pill can act as a low-dose antibiotic in the gut, so Mm -hmm. killing off the good bacteria, and then the good bacteria influences our mental health and our immune system, obviously. So it's just so many different mechanisms that can take place. Um, What about the influence on our partner selection, so our our attraction to a mate, how how the pill can actually... Um, it's been shown to influence who we're attracted to. Can you talk a bit about yeah. that? Yeah, so I think we sort of don't think about the fact that we're still animals. Um, and so we have pheromones, external hormones, and they do, you know, play a part, or not, although not as much, obviously, because we have rationality mm-hmm. <laughs> in our mate choice. Yeah. Um, and, and we have so, body sprays. <laughs> yes, we do. We do. We cover and it up. We have the uh, consciousness and yeah. and future and ability to think about future and yeah. things like that. Um, and so, you know, part of it though is that we do when women ovulate. You know, you give off certain um, signs physically and through pheromones of your fertility in the same way that we see in the animal world, um, just not as obviously, but it's still there. Um, they've done a lot of studies into how men and women interact if then when women are fertile, not fertile, or on the pill and not on the pill. Um, some very pop, you know, famous studies, one I refer to, a few I refer to in the book, about how men respond to women who are um, <clears throat> on the pill and not on the pill. And also how women on the pill respond to men differently or find different kinds of men attractive. Um, And then, you know, they've also looked at relationship satisfaction um, on the pill, off the pill. Um, And all of these things, you know, quite in terms of, you know, the wider looking at how much research is done, uh, research quite heavily because they all 
intersect with men so you know and it's there's sort of these sexy topics that you know get more attention and more media attention so there's actually quite a lot of reading out there about this that you can do um and i think you know anecdotally a lot of women feel that they have come off hormonal birth control and then felt differently about their partner or feel that their hormonal birth control impacted their choice of partner somebody who they felt was not suitable or they were more incompatible with um in the end you know the the reasoning behind it or the biological reasoning behind it is just that they you're meant to be attracted to someone with different gene pool so you know very variation is better so you have a healthier child um so that's what it comes down to but i think it plays out very differently in women's lives and I think you know I always say that stuff is all really interesting and often very engaging but you know often as well it's about the fact that when a woman wants to not take hormonal birth control anymore because she has side effects it can be that they don't get the support that they need from their partner and so that can also have a negative effect on your yeah. relationship, right? True. Yeah. So there's a few <laughs> other there's a few other social elements at play that if you come off and you you break up with your boyfriend, it doesn't necessarily mean that they had the wrong pheromone output. Mm. It could just be that they were really not very supportive and didn't put your mental health ahead of their desire to not use condoms or whatever it was. So yeah, um, I think That's that plays a point. part in it too. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And yeah, I just find the whole that whole subject so fascinating. Um, yeah, I just love diving into the research on that and just think it's so strange. But yeah, it's just really weird to think that the pill can actually do that to our bodies. Such a tiny little pill could have such massive effects on the body. And I think it's funny that doctors don't believe that what we eat has an effect on our body or our hormones, yet they think a tiny little pill that we take once a day has such control over our body. I always think that's a strange, um, strange way to put, uh, think about things. Yeah. And I mean, it, you know, it's not even just in romantic relationships. There was some interesting research that came out recently about how women on the pill have a different perception of um, facial expressions and may have trouble reading um, a variety of emotions and may have a more simplified um perception so they see things more simplified from sort of they have a smaller range to choose from so (laughs) when shown different pictures of different facial expressions they don't have such a nuanced or subtle understanding of changes in feeling and they just might not read people as well um and be able to pick up on social cues and dangers or concerns or things that women you know get quite used to um you know you know picking up on um that was very interesting so yeah in general you know it's not just that it's also that you know you're changing we're seeing how it's changing new women neurologically but also you know hormones are how we interact with the world so when you stop your body from producing these hormones and replace it with synthetic hormones and it's going to change your place in the world and so to some extent um, and how you respond and react to it as well as how it responds and reacts to you wow that's crazy mm. <laughs> and yeah so maybe they're not aware of 
um, danger or threat in the environment like they would be typically? Does that That's, kind of... That was one of the conclusions yeah. that people drew from it, yes. Um, so I think, you know, there's, I think it's still so early days with this mm. research that we don't know, but it is interesting because, yeah, it's about not being able to read, um, you know, being very, being your sort of perception being blunted to an extent, yeah. Mm-hmm. And talking about all of these negative effects of the birth control pill, if someone's kind of thinking, I need to stay on the pill or I know about the other um, natural alternatives, but I don't think that's right for me. Is there anything that they can do to either offset or um, just support the body while they're taking the pill? I'm not a big advocate of that because I don't really believe you can. I know that there's certain theory that you know you could take vitamin supplements etc change your diet and different things obviously you know you take better care of yourself you know your baseline health is going to have an impact so with nutrient deficiency if you're nutrient deficient going in then it's going to have more of an extreme impact right Mm. um so that does make sense but I'm not an advocate of trying to offset it because um, the effect that it has means that it's actually harder to absorb any supplement or any diet change or have that integrated because of the changes in your gut and different things that it does to prevent that. So it's harder work to offset than than just taking supplements, really. Um, and also, I think, you know, the point is, at the baseline is that the problem is is suppressing ovulation and you're not going to offset that effect because that's the action of the pill so if you're taking supplements to sort of uh, offset nutritional issues etc you're not avoiding the fact that you are still suppressing ovulation and that's such a key root cause of um, a lot of issues Mm -hmm. including the mental health issues and there's enough research to show the health benefits of um experiencing ovulation and creating your own hormones for women um that i don't think it's advisable to suggest you can sort of work around that and still suppress ovulation and still long-term avoid side effects because you can't (laughs) really Uh, it just it just isn't you know we don't have those kind of bodies you're sort of taking away um uh you know i think if it wasn't if it was something that men experience we wouldn't think, see it in such a way because you're taking away something that's like a vital bodily function um and then you know it's not that's not some, that's something that's so integrated into your whole body system your immune system your gastrointestinal system your endocrine system everything that is very hard to to be able to sort of fix that on the go really yeah, and I interviewed um, Dr. Laura Bryden the other week. Oh, and, good. Yeah, so I love the quote that she has. I think it's Dr. Geraldine Pryor that's in her mm-hmm. book, and it says that ovulation is both an indicator and creator of health. And I just mm-hmm. don't think that message is shared enough. Like, we, we don't even know what ovulation is, or we just think we only want to be ovulating when we're ready to get pregnant. But the it kind of stores in, like, a bank the more that you have the the less kind of disease risk you have in the future and the more health you have short term and long term as well so i think that that needs to be shared more and talked about and i definitely agree with the supplement parts like you, 
eating a healthy diet and um, eating nutrients and maybe taking a multivitamin is probably going to help a little bit but you can't just think just because you're taking a bunch of supplements you're kind of getting away with it and offsetting all of the negative effects because you're not you're just kind of maybe reducing them a little bit but you're just taking something that's shutting down complete hormonal systems in your body (laughs) yeah and I think I mean you know when I started having the very severe side effects it was after some eight years on the pill so we also have that kind of backlog of of the fact that you start it when you're a teenager um when your body is still reproductive system is still maturing um and so you have these kind of it depends in a way like how long have you been taking it you know how long are you going to take it for what are you taking it for if you have to take it and you know because you have a health condition in which this is the best option for you at this point then yeah i would say take the supplements you know to be you know take good care of your health because you're having to make that decision you're having to take something then you should certainly take good care of yourself while you're doing it and be informed and aware but if you don't have to then the better option is if it doesn't make you feel good just don't take it (laughs) and for those who maybe do want to come off the pill or the doctor's trying to push the pill on them and they're being told that there's no other alternative. How do you deal with kind of a pushy doctor and how do you kind of stand up for yourself and explain to them why you don't want to take it? Because I find that when you're in like the doctor's surgery, you feel like the doctor knows best and they know everything and you're they're right, you're wrong. So how would you deal with a doctor who's constantly trying to push hormonal birth control pill on you yeah so I think this happens a lot and I think you know obviously you should feel like a doctor should respect you and your experience and be able to listen without interrupting or be condescending or um you know belittle your experience in say you know that their not their knowledge their objective knowledge overrides that or any research they have to hand even overrides that um that's not a good situation to be in in the uk i know it's pretty difficult here people always are like we'll just get a different doctor i know have, <laughs> like we can't do they that. have a for-profit healthcare <laughs> system so they don't you know they they just that's a service as far as they're concerned um but in the the uk that's not often the choice so then i would suggest either um going to i always had good better experiences with uh family planning clinics than i did with doctors they were always Mm -hmm. much more interested in side effects and understanding what women were going through um and the nurses that staffed them were often much more um open-minded and much more like thoughtful and I remember once having a appointment where like five or six of them came in the room at once because they all wanted to hear about my experience on Yasmin because they'd had so many women come in right saying that it was terrible for them um but also I think um taking someone with you can be really helpful people don't know that but you can take someone in with you and they can be there with you so if you have a friend who's a lot more confident than you at this time or isn't feeling the side effects and so this just feels better overall and stronger or even your partner or somebody that you feel can advocate for you or somebody that you feel can stand up for you or say, hey, you know, 
you need this is what she's going through or if you just don't feel you're in the position to do that for whatever reason you can always take someone with you um i've written a little bit about the idea of how we need birth control contraception doulas really um you know people like when you're going through pregnancy and birth who can be in the room with you so they can never help you navigate those conversations where you can often be pressured into one choice or another that you're not comfortable with uh, seemingly for your own good but not always because of that um so that's always my my best um, suggestion um it's very tricky but you shouldn't feel like dissuaded try and find a community even if it's just online there's lots of great groups i have on myself called unsweeten the pill of women who've gone through exactly the same thing and even just knowing it's not just you making a terrible decision can really change your attitude you know mm. knowing that this is the same conversation going on around the world in doctors offices everywhere and even the most confident women can sometimes feel <clears throat> swayed you know by um by that experience um yeah i think that can help too definitely you go in with all the kind of knowledge and confidence and then you get there you forget everything you're going to say and you just feel like um you don't know what you're talking about the way that they interact with you not everyone but a lot of the doctors um especially the older male doctors i kind mm -hmm. of feel like they're the ones who are a bit less open-minded let's show you <laughs> Yeah, and I think it depends. Like, if you're younger, if you're single, if mm. you're, you know, they've decided that you are at risk and they don't want you to be of an unwanted pregnancy, um, then they can be much tougher than if they're if you're middle class and married and you know. Yeah. So it can it can really be dependent on your situation too. So mm. sometimes the best move is just to take someone with you. Yeah and yeah so we can think of it in some ways they're trying to protect us but it's not actually helping no it's usually the time. from a lot of assumptions that they're yeah. making about yeah. what's best for you unfortunately yeah. okay yeah and for someone who doesn't want to get pregnant but also doesn't want to go on the birth control pill or wants to come off for whatever reason maybe they're mm -hmm. now aware of the side effects or are struggling with um, health issues because of it what alternatives do they have well, I think it's a great time, actually. Um, when I first came off, um, I learned about the fertility awareness method through <clears throat> a kit that I was sent from Australia by Jane Bennett. And I was just reading bits and pieces online and I was taking charge of your fertility, the book. And now, you know, there's so many health uh, fertility awareness practitioners you can um contact through skype and zoom and email and work with them all over the world um, and there's also this massive boom in femtech for fertility um, i'm an advocate and educator for daisy fertility tracker um, which is part of this whole like boom of technology that's helping women practice fertility awareness um, you know in a easy simple kind of integrated way that's just really um very much pared down and kind of trying to help avoid user error issues and you know common issues that can come up with doing this all yourself um and so yeah right now i think it's a great time to explore fertility awareness 
um, learn more about your body, learn about your fertile signs and fertile window, um, and realize, you know, like I did, that you know you've only got six days every menstrual cycle in which you can actually fall pregnant physically. Outside of that window, you cannot. Um, and that you know, doing something like taking a pill every day, or even perhaps having an IUD inserted, seems kind of like overkill <laughs> once you realize that. Um, and perhaps that makes the analysis you do for yourself seem like, yeah, why am I putting myself through this when I don't need to? Um, and I think even if you decide not to continue with it for pregnancy avoidance or prevention, that it's a great place to start from in making any decisions. So I highly recommend like just education, education on fertility awareness, regardless of if you then decide perhaps to get a copper coil IUD um, I still or use barriers or use a diaphragm or whatever it is you choose I still think it's a great place to start because it gives you uh, like the opportunity of fully informed decision making whether it's about contraception or reproductive health issue or when you do want to get pregnant that kind of thing mm-hmm. and in terms of um, the fertility awareness method how does that differ from the rhythm method? So a lot of doctors, when you tell them that you're doing fertility awareness, they're like, oh my God, that is not effective. You're going to get pregnant. How does that differ from what they're thinking of? Well, that's a whole other conversation, I think, for the doctor situation, because, you know, obviously they don't, and you know, if you've said you really don't want to get pregnant and then you say you're using a fertility awareness method, that can come up. Hmm. Um, but the thing is, is you have to remember that most doctors when it comes to talking about avoiding pregnancy, like 96% of what they learn in medical school is about hormonal birth control. So this isn't, this isn't something they're aware of generally, but essentially it's different in that the rhythm method is just looking at when you got your last period and making the assumption that all of our bodies are the same and all of our cycles are the same and we ovulate around the same time. Fertility awareness is the acknowledgement that although you have this six-day window in which you can get pregnant, which is the lifespan of the egg of 24 hours and the lifespan of sperm of five days, that that window does move. Um, And that's because you don't always ovulate on the same day. So ovulation can be delayed by stress or illness or lack of sleep. Um, You're also just generally not robotic in how our bodies work so it can fluctuate by a few days even if you're perfectly healthy and great um and that you need to do something every day to practice it so you can't just look at when you had your period you need to be doing something every day whether that's taking your temperature when you wake up in the morning or checking your cervical fluid or checking your cervix um to inform you on a daily basis of what your fertility status is Mm -hmm. um knowing that this is data that can fluctuate it's not you can't make assumptions about it um so you know unfortunately there isn't a lot of um that you can do when the doctor (laughs) is uh, annoyed about that because uh research wise um you know the pill has been around now for 60 so years um really hasn't seen any need to do the research that we needed in fertility awareness, but it is scientific fact. You can only fall pregnant on during that window and you can't outside of it. And women are often informed of this when they want to get pregnant. You know, you, you will hear, well, you know, you're not having sex at the right time. And, you know, that women are told about this if they think they're having infertility issues. Um, it works the same way, obviously, <laughs> the other way around. 
Um, there's really no difference to it um, except of your goal. Um, and so, yeah, that's, that's, that's how it differs. It's an ongoing struggle. Again, I highly recommend finding a good online community for yourself, um, whether it's fertility awareness or going off the pill community, because this conversation, you know, is something that's, you know, you can get so much from other women. But in the end, rather than coming from a place of feeling the need to persuade anybody of your of your choice being right you you really need to come from a place of being like well you know in the end it's your decision you haven't gone to your doctor to ask them to help you to prevent pregnancy because you're doing that for yourself um you haven't asked them to do that so that's not their job to give you their opinion of what it is that you're doing um and you know it's like with going off the pill a lot of articles will say well you know before you go off the pill go and visit your doctor there really isn't any need to do that unless you have a particular <laughs> health issue <laughs> yeah that's really the only action that's going on there unless you have a specific health issue then it's really not necessary if you don't have you been on it just to regulate your periods or very generalized things or just for contraception you, the best thing to do is just make the decision for yourself set up your game plan you know you know that you have to use condoms you know, then see how you feel. Um, the, the doctor's just going to tell you to keep taking it. It's very unusual that the doctor will tell you not to do that, even is as even if, as I, as I describe in my book, even if they themselves have had side effects from the pill, um, they don't really know within their purview, like, how to deal with that question. They'd rather just keep giving you the pill because you've come to them asking to avoid pregnancy and that's to them well this is the way to avoid pregnancy mm. yeah and post birth control pills a whole nother um another issue um but is there a, a good time to come off the pill um, can you just stop like midway through um, because it's not really regulating your cycle anyway um, yeah there's no cycle yeah. so there's no like day every day is the same yeah yeah. So just the, yeah, people usually think oh, I'll just come off it when I have my withdrawal week and that's the right time, but it's not necessarily really. And I always tell people if maybe going through a stressful period at work or um, you've just had a relationship breakup and you're moving house, then maybe it's not the right time to come off because um, your body's already going to be stressed anyway. And I think you're more likely to experience negative effects from coming off as well. So. Mm -hmm. I personally recommend people to get the body and the hormones and the diet on track and make sure that the rest of their environment is pretty healthy and stable before they come off the pill, just so that it's not such a negative experience because coming off can be quite a transition as well. Oh, yeah, and I, I definitely agree with that. I actually waited until I um, was in the position where I felt very supported and comfortable and I didn't have a lot of responsibilities or stresses on my life yeah um I waited for some six to nine months before I decided even though I knew I was having side effects I just found that I wasn't in the position in my own life to be able to make that decision and I'm so glad I did because mm -hmm. I had a very positive experience coming off mm -hmm. um, that's really important <clears throat> yes and uh, yeah, and I mean, I think if you feel 
there's lots of things externally that are causing stress that you can wait out um obviously like you've got to make a decision as to whether they are really external stresses or whether you are responding to them in a manner because you're on the pill which i think can be the case sometimes too like relationship stress can sometimes you think oh my god this is terrible nightmare but then you're like oh actually it was just because my pill was causing that to be a terrible nightmare Definitely. (laughs) I think if you have big life transitions, yes. The best I I did it after a big life transition. I just moved to the US and got married, but I didn't have a work visa. So I I couldn't really I couldn't earn money. So I I started the blog and I was living with family and so I just had this kind of six month period of being, you know, in adult life, being let out of the Mm. of the the normal, you know, responsibility and the normal schedule things and that gave me the opportunity yeah so if someone's just listening now and they've heard us talk about the negative effects and they're just like i want to come off immediately then maybe just sit down and just wait a minute and evaluate what's going on in your life before you make such a a big decision because even though it's probably better for your health in the long term it's just making the transition a little bit easier yeah, and you really do want to put in some time to just be, you know, really easy things of like eating well, sleeping well, taking care of yourself, you know? And if you don't think you can do that, then you're not going to have as good a time of it. Exactly. And what's on the cards in terms of hormonal birth control? Um, do you think the, the future's going to be femtech devices and fertility awareness or do you think that they're going to come out with new pills that are a little bit safer and what about the male contraceptives that have have been studied studied as well i know that you mentioned um one from like previous decades but is there any new up-and-coming effective ones that male can males can take yeah i think that we're going to see um more individualized birth control methods in terms of like potentially i would hope research into um why certain women have more extreme side effects on pills than others and why some women you know can be on it for 20 30 years and think that there's no issue um and i think you're going to see maybe use of more bioidentical hormones although i'm really not certain they will be with less side effects um I just think that there'll be a push towards making it seem more natural, as it were. Mm -hmm. Um, And then with male contraceptives, I think we're still in the place where there's no likelihood of anything coming around to market within the next five, ten years. Um, I just don't think that the methods that are currently available to men, which is really condoms and vasectomy, are taken up with enough enthusiasm. Mm. Um, I think we're seeing a little bit more conversation around shared responsibility, especially the younger generations seem much more concerned about why women should have to take on the burden of side effects. Um, And that, I think, could shift the conversation over time. And I think if something were made available for men, I don't think it would be available for very long. Um, I think that the side effects would be pretty quickly established and that even men would just not use it in Mm -hmm. the same way that women are not using the female Viagra that was bought out for women. Um, Or there would be a backlash against it and it would be that she'd be rapidly quite removed from the the market, I think. 
Yeah, and was um, it a male pill that was um, studying? They actually stopped the study because they're experiencing like yeah. low moods and fatigue and the exact same symptoms women deal with and, and have dealt with for decades. <laughs> yes, and I think in the way, because it would be men and because of where we're at now, I think it could come out, but I think it would then be taken off the market. Yeah. Um, I think it could be taken up super enthusiastically and then, you know, it won't be, or it will just become something that men don't take because they know that it's has terrible side effects. Um, and then I think in terms of femtech, I think that really the, all the projections show that it's going to be huge. We're seeing technology come out, not just basal body temperature related, but also cervical fluid related. Um, you know, there's so many opportunities there for making data tracking um, easier for women in quantifiable. Um, I think that, you know, it's fantastic because it's allowing more women to not have to be on hormonal birth control and allowing more women to feel confident enough to make that change. Um, with the daisy, that's what I see all the time. Like many women just feel like they wouldn't have been able to do it without having something like that, that really just simplified it down for them. Um, I think we're going to see a lot more conversations around things like data privacy and research that can be done with data from these technologies. Um, so I think there's going to be a lot of different shifts there as well in how we discuss women's health as well, because of the fact that there will be this increased amount of available data. Um, yeah, so I think it's a very interesting time when I wrote the book that technology was very early stage mm. stuff. There were some apps and things, but not very well known. Um, <clears throat> things haven't really changed <laughs> in terms of the male birth control situation. It seems to be ongoing, but, you know, in terms of the pill, you know, at the time, long acting reversible methods like the coil and the implant and things like that were just sort of getting more interest. And now they're kind of taking up a much bigger part of the conversation, uh, especially for younger women. A lot more younger women are being persuaded because they don't have to remember to take a pill every day. Yeah. So that is kind of, you know, we know that the plan is to have uh, things like uh, less and less involved methods like remote control, birth control, implants, you know, that can be turned on and off, things like that. You know, that's the direction that in terms of pharmaceutical companies and the yeah. industry, that's what they're looking at. Yeah, they'll just jump on anything, try and make some <clears throat> weird device or new medication um yeah to try and sell that but yeah i personally use the daisy and i love that too mm -hmm. so mm, yeah, we both recommend that one um and i'll link the um everything that we've mentioned like your website and where they can get your book online too all in the show thank notes you. as well um thank you so i want to ask you one last question and finish up with a few more personal questions about you so mm -hmm. on the terms of birth control still what's the one piece of advice you'd want women to know about the birth control pill um i think it's important to know that you know we mostly are going to hear very ex stories of more extremes my story is certainly more extreme in terms of mental health side effects um but it's important to realize that for many many women the side effects may not be that extreme but they're still quality of life threatening is how i describe it so they're still affecting your quality of life and overall you may have a more of a negative experience um, 
less enjoyment of life overall um, and there's been actually some research to point exactly to that just <clears throat> as a result of the insidious ongoing effects so that can look like having kind of uh, just low moods or never feeling like that thrilled or excited or just having what they call anhedonia which is sort of a, not accessing those positive mood um, elements or just having very low self-esteem or kind of low-level anxiety um, all those things can be happening and you may just think you know this is just me um, and that, that you know it's important to consider that you know you're not always going to be experiencing the extremes mm -hmm. yeah that's great advice so i want to finish up with a few questions about you so the mm -hmm. first one is what's something that you're into lately so it could be birth control related health related or just completely random oh i'm really into i'm just going to tell you off the top of my head and it won't be birth control related <laughs> yeah sorry <laughs> um i could give you a birth control related one as well i'm really into the tv show uh, uh fossey verdon which is about bob fossey and ah. his wife and it's really fascinating because it's about how influential his wife was on his work and how she was sort of uh, written out of the history of his kind of choreography and shows and movies and stuff um but on a birth control level <laughs> i have a i have a friend who has a book come out uh just the, yesterday which is Maisie hill oh, yeah. um she has a book come out called uh just come out called period power yeah um and she's great she's fantastic to follow on instagram Maisie is m-a-i-s-i-e mm -hmm. um hill and she's got like she shares so much information just on her instagram but she, her book's brilliant i am mentioned in it full disclosure <laughs> um and it's just a really if you if this is like something that either you you know you're new to or people around you are new to like it's a great book to get to like say hey like younger sister hey like you know friend at work like oh you know i'm always talking about this stuff like this is what it's about you know mm. yeah like a great introduction to the subject <laughs> yeah definitely yeah i follow her on instagram too and i'll definitely have to have her on the the podcast um, yes you yeah. should yeah, i'm sure she's doing idea. tons of promotion now, yeah so definitely in contact yeah definitely will do um what's one book that has changed your life so apart from your own and apart from the one that you just mentioned is there any other book that's been influential in your life Would you, uh, well, the, I have already mentioned Barbara Seaman's A Doctor's Case Against the Pill. Oh, right, yeah. But that was really, like, that book is, it was, when I was looking, quite difficult to get hold of. I think they brought out another edition now, and okay. I got a really old copy. And it was the first time I'd read, like, a book about the issues with the pill and the side effects of the pill from a feminist perspective. Mm. And it opened up this whole, almost like an alternative timeline um of the pill that really changed a lot for me um and made me realize like how much i hadn't been told hmm. yeah i've never heard of that one definitely have to check mm -hmm. that one out mm -hmm. um next question is what's one thing that you do every single day to keep you in hormonal harmony so how do you stay healthy how do you keep your hormones balanced just a thing that you have to do every single day um 
I think I'm really good at sort of, I work from home, but I'm really good at trying to sort of stop of an evening and just have relaxing time where I'm not plugged in um, and just sort of give myself time to read or, you know, take a bath or just chill out. And I'm pretty good at doing that. And when I uh, first started working from home, I found it very difficult. And I think that stress was obviously, we know stress is really hard on your menstrual cycle and hormones. Um, and so like, I'm, I'm pretty good at building in now time for myself that isn't like, doesn't have to be going to a spa and doesn't have to be like a big production. It really is just time for, to take space really. So that I don't have like go to bed with like, you know, thoughts racing and not being able to sleep and things like that. And, you know, all that has such a knock on effect. Um, you know, yeah. So really I just managing my time and managing my on and off times is, is really, um, important to me. Good. Yeah. I think I'd need to work on that a little bit too. (laughs) So thanks for the reminder. (laughs) Yeah. And last question is where can people find you online? So where can they get your book, find more about you and just mention your uh, Facebook group again, but I will definitely link them in the show notes too. Yeah. So sweeteningthepill.com is where everything is, including signing up for mailing lists. So when um, I do, um, you know, this online course called a feminist guide to going off the pill um at the moment it's sort of sporadically available live but it will eventually be available as recordings i also have a resource guide on there lots of book recommendations um and link to the facebook group which is called unsweetening the pill um which is actually the only group on facebook that is about going off hormonal birth control in general right um and so and also i have a really active facebook page for sweetening the pill i put a lot of articles and just things that i come across up there i'm on twitter under my name holly group school um as well and i share a lot of news and stuff on there too great so yeah this has been such a good episode we've covered so many different topics and everything i wanted to learn about so that's absolutely fantastic thank you so much for your time um i know that it's midday there so i'm sure you're busy for the rest of the day so i want to thank you so much for joining us on the podcast and i'm sure that you'll have a few more followers after this episode so (laughs) thank you yeah keep spreading the information and keep doing the work that you're doing and i think we're all really excited for your documentary to come out soon as well thank you very much thanks for having me thank you for listening to another episode of the hormones in harmony podcast if you like this episode please leave me a rating and review as this helps to spread the word to other women dealing with hormone imbalances as a massive thank you gift i'll send you a free guide six steps to hormonal harmony All you need to do is screenshot your rating and review, then email it to me at hormonesinharmony at gmail.com and I'll send you the link to download this free guide. If you haven't already, check out my website vivanaturalhealth.co.uk and Instagram page at vivanaturalhealth for tons more free content and inspiration. You can also schedule a free 30-minute hormone troubleshooting call to find out the next steps to take in order to overcome your symptoms naturally. See you back here next week for another episode.